The world that we live in is filled with chaos. We are all searching for meaning in our lives, but we often get lost along the way. We all must ultimately realize that meaning is found in responsibility for our actions, for the way we live our life, and for the people in our lives. We don't have to stay in the chaos. We can choose to bring order to our lives. Join us for a fresh perspective on the practical steps we can take to become who God intended us to be and to realize what our calling is. This is Coming Out of Chaos. Welcome back to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. This is Michael Bokalik, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Bryce Kirk. Bryce, how are things going today? Things are going very well, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Well, Bryce, we are now three episodes into our brand new podcast. And I have to say, this has been really fun for me thus far. It has been fun for me, and I bet you've enjoyed it too. Yeah, Michael, it's absolutely been a dream to get this off the ground finally after two years and to be involved. Um, It's an absolute blessing. I would say so. I should tell our listeners that this time we are not coming to you from the upper room at St. Nicholas Church in Springdale, Arkansas. We ended up changing the location of our makeshift studio for this episode. So we're coming to you from an undisclosed location in Northwest Arkansas. And there's something that just sounds a bit sinister and foreboding about that, like we're we're behind enemy lines or something, wouldn't you say, Bryce? I suppose so, Michael, but uh, we promise you it's not quite that complex. <laughs> it's like we're in some kind of spy movie, but we are coming to you from an undisclosed location. It makes it a little more fun this time. We hope to return to the upper room at St. Nicholas Orthodox Church for our next episode recording, but thankfully our podcasting equipment, it's very mobile and we can really set it up anywhere. That was actually part of the plan because we hope to be able to record our podcast episodes on the road, even during our trips together when we're visiting churches and attending spiritual retreats in our diocese and and even conferences that we may go to. So stay tuned for that. We're hoping that we can do this from just about any location you can think of. Bryce, now that we are three episodes in, meaning that we have two previous episodes out there already, we've started to receive some feedback from people on this podcast, and and thank God the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive thus far. We've had people reaching out to us saying some very kind things about our efforts with coming out of chaos, including some friends of ours, some men who we have met in our travels in the diocese, and Even some priests and our own family have chimed in with some much-appreciated praise for what we're doing, and I personally just wanted to send out a big thank you to everyone who has been listening. Absolutely, Michael. I think uh, this outpour of support that we've been having the last few weeks, and God willing that we'll continue to have in the time to come, has been an absolute godsend. Definitely, and, and we really do appreciate all of you coming along with us on this journey We really see this podcast as an extremely important ministry, and we're really trying to fill a void that we believe has existed for quite some time. As we've said before, there's so many podcasts that are a highly intellectual experience and lots of material out there that is complex, deep, and kind of mind-blowing. Our goal was not to create another one of those kinds of podcasts. There's so many good ones out there, and they're doing such an amazing job. 
with coming out of chaos, we're intentionally trying to keep things just a little bit more simple. We want this to be accessible to the average everyday guy out there. And there's plenty of resources out there for people who really want to dig in deeper to some of the concepts and topics that we've been talking about. But our goal is to create something different, something that we both feel doesn't currently exist. And we definitely don't want to alienate anyone who may be listening by trying to communicate things that may be over people's heads. And a lot of times, Bryce, some of the podcasts I try listening to have material that is just simply over my head. And we really wanted this to be a podcast that is as accessible to people as possible. Now, having said all that, we clearly have created a podcast that is aimed at men. And one of the interesting things about all the positive feedback that we've received, Bryce, is that it's included comments from some women who have also been enjoying listening to the podcast. And to that, we say that is great. It was our hope that some women might want to listen to the podcast too, even though it's aimed at men. So a big thank you to all the ladies out there who may be listening. Yeah, Michael, with that being said, that's not a big surprise, I don't think. There's a lot of people, it's not just that they want to listen to the podcast because it's us. I think they want to listen to it because the content makes sense to them. Right. And this content that we're doing, uh, you know, a slight little plug here, we're on all the major podcast platforms now. And we've seen some high ratings and positive reviews already coming across on Apple Podcasts, for example. So if anyone is enjoying this podcast and would like to give us a high rating or write a review, we would really help us increase our reach. We would definitely love to see more ratings and reviews like that if anyone feels like doing so. And like we've said so many times already, we really do appreciate the support. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, in our last episode, we started going through an article titled, Why Orthodox Men Love Church. I mentioned that the author is Frederica Matthews Green, but this time I wanted to give a brief bio on who she is. Ms. Matthews Green's is a wide-ranging author whose work has appeared in a lot of different publications, including the Washington Post, Christianity Today, Smithsonian, the Los Angeles Times, and the Wall Street Journal, and that's just to name a few. She's been a radio and TV commentator. She's a columnist, book and movie reviewer, and she also records a podcast for Ancient Faith Radio. Frederica is a popular speaker and has been interviewed almost 700 times. It's just, it's hard to believe that's such a crazy figure. She lives with her husband, who is Father Gregory Matthews Green in Baltimore, Maryland, And he is the priest at Holy Cross Orthodox Church, and it's a parish that they actually founded. She's also written many books, really too many to mention here, but one of them is titled Welcome to the Orthodox Church, An Introduction to Eastern Christianity. I haven't personally read that book yet, but I have heard amazing things about it. And actually, the new priest at our church at St. Nicholas, Father Paul Fuller, He recommends this book to everyone who comes to the church inquiring about Orthodox Christianity. So I just wanted to mention that because it's clear Frederica has done lots of different work. And so this article is just one small piece of everything that she's put out there so far. In our last podcast episode, we went through the introduction and the first section of the article, Why Orthodox Men Love Church. And to remind everyone... Frederica Matthews Green stated that she emailed 100 Orthodox men 
and most of whom joined the church as adults, and asked them what they thought makes Orthodox Christianity particularly attractive to them. She included their responses in the article, and that's what we started going through in our last episode. And again, as a reminder, we posted this article on our website at antiochianmen.org. So if you want to follow along with us, just go to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and click on View and Download Amen Documents. You will find this article at the top of the page that it takes you to. So let's dive right back into the article. The next section is subtitled Clear Disciplines. And this follows the section we covered last time that was subtitled Challenges. Several mentioned that they really appreciated having clarity about the content of these challenges and what they were supposed to do. Quote, most guys feel a lot more comfortable when they know what's expected of them, unquote. Another quote is, orthodoxy presents a reasonable set of boundaries It's easier for guys to express themselves in worship if there are guidelines about how it's supposed to work, especially when those guidelines are so simple and down-to-earth that you can just set out and start doing something. Bryce, why don't you start off this time? Would you say that your experiences in the Orthodox Church are consistent with this? Yeah, Michael, I definitely would. And the reasoning for that is there's not necessarily an individualistic type of bent in orthodoxy. While you may talk to your spiritual father and he may know you and how you would react to things and what you need to do to help advance yourself or work on yourself or deal with certain things, the church prescribes fasting to everybody, at least in some degree. Right. Asceticism of types like almsgiving, prayer, of course, is central to everything that we do. And in the liturgy itself, The liturgy has a structure that allows for you to follow its guidelines, and not just because it's going through the motions, but because it actively involves you in the worship. And it's not about you, but it pulls you into something much larger. And we've been to churches, Michael, where the iconography on the walls, it doesn't make you feel small, but it pulls you into the entire experience of the church, Mm -hmm. of the gospel. And to be able to see that, experience it physically, the music, the incense, the bells, the chanting, all of it, it's structured in a way in which it pulls you in and it gives you the guidelines that you have to follow and you learn something from that. Yeah, Bryce, and and there's a key thing that you just said, and that is structure. Men really like having structure and they respond well when they're in a structured environment. And this makes me think of the business world. I've actually worked in the business world for over 20 years now. I've been a manager in several different jobs with several companies. And the one thing that I was taught is when you take over as the manager of other people, the first thing you want to do is make clear what the expectations are. And it even becomes something where you give your employees, those that report to you, a document that spells out what the roles and responsibilities are. And this brings so much clarity to what everyone should be doing. It avoids confusion. It avoids chaos, to be honest. And this is exactly like what this article is talking about with regards to the Orthodox Church. That structure is so important, and I think men really respond well to the structure in the church 
And Bryce, the other thing this article talks about is orthodoxy presenting a reasonable set of boundaries. It's really easy for someone who knows what the boundaries are, what the guidelines are, to just jump right in and start doing things. And one thing, Bryce, that we have learned together in our travels is that men tend to want to just jump in and do something, but they need to know how to do it so that they can just naturally start the process. And so having those guidelines is really a strength in the church, and it's something that men, I think, respond really well to. Let's go on and talk about this next section of the article. The prayers the church provides for us, morning prayers, evening prayers, prayers before and after meals, and so on, give men a way to engage in spirituality without feeling put on the spot or worrying about looking stupid because they don't know what to say. Now, this is a big one. Bryce, one thing we can say for sure is that there is no shortage of prayers in the Orthodox Church. There are prayers for all kinds of situations and circumstances. For example, before we start recording each episode of this podcast, you and I say a very specific prayer, and it's called a prayer before commencing any task. Bryce, why don't you read that prayer and then talk about your perspective on the value of having these kinds of prayers that we can go to on a daily basis. Yeah, sure. I'll just get right into it. So it goes, Almighty God, our help and refuge, fountain of wisdom and tower of strength, who knowest that I can do nothing without thy guidance and help. Assist me, I pray thee, and direct me to divine wisdom and power, that I may accomplish this task and whatever I may undertake to do, faithfully and diligently according to thy will so that it may be profitable to myself and others, and to the glory of thy holy name. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. The advantage, I think, Michael, that this has, is in reading that prayer just now, nothing else was on my mind. There was nothing distracting me from what I was trying to say. And it's not that you have to read it off the paper all the time. Sometimes a lot of stuff is off the cuff because you just need help. People cry out to God all the time, and they may not even use their words, but the advantage of having prayers where there are set words and it's for a set thing, I think it gets you in the mind frame that you don't need to think a ton. And so part of building a prayer rule, for example... Uh, involves a lot of these prayers that are already written down. Many of us in the Orthodox faith have a little red or a little black prayer book. It has a set amount of prayers in it. Uh, Like Michael mentioned earlier in the article, morning prayers, evening prayers, prayers before and after meals, so on. Prayers for the sick, prayers for the dead, prayers for single persons, prayers for your priest, the clergy, your parents. It's like building a workout routine. You can't just go into the gym or wherever you go and just randomly do things and hope it works. None of that will stick for very long. But if you're consistent with things, then you can begin to add on because you get stronger, you get more conditioned, you get more adjusted to how it works. And so I've been told by a handful of priests that when you begin your prayer rule, I was told to start with the Trisagion prayers, which are very short. But it's a good way to start. They're structured. They get the day going. Bishop Nicholas told Michael and I one time, he said, when you wake up, the best time to do it is right after you wake up in the morning. 
and maybe you have to walk into your bathroom and splash some water on your face, but eventually it gets easier. And being able to have the prayers that you can read, anything that you really are thinking about, anything that you may be struggling with, anything that may be on your mind, there's something there for you. And there's prayers that I try to pray when something is bothering me. I have some anxiety in my life. And there's a set prayer for when I am in trouble that I say. And every single time I do that, it helps me bring myself out of the mindset that I'm in and that there is hope for the situation. And maybe I'm exaggerating the situation. And maybe I get more grounded because I know God is bigger than all of that stuff. And it helps me. And they're there for us. The prayers are there for us to help us become more holy and help us communicate with God. That is so true, Bryce. And one of the things I love that you brought up is having a prayer rule. And the the great thing about a prayer rule is it's going to look different from person to person. And that's something that a spiritual father can really help you to develop. He can help you because he'll get to know you and he'll know what is right for your life circumstances, for your stage of spiritual growth. We start with a prayer rule, but we don't self-prescribe. It's important that we talk to our spiritual father to find out the right prayer rule for us. And I love the fact that you mentioned the advice that Bishop Nicholas gives about prayers in the morning. He also gives advice about evening prayers. Because Bryce, I don't know about you, but a lot of times at night when I'm getting ready for evening prayers, I am just dead tired. And I'm not in the mood or I feel like I don't have the energy to say evening prayers. And His Grace Bishop Nicholas has given me some great advice. He told me, do your evening prayers right after dinner and don't wait until just before bed. Because there's more of a chance you're going to skip evening prayers if you are just so tired and weak and it's so much easier for you to slip when you're waiting until just before your head hits the pillow. So it's really good advice that as soon as you're done eating dinner, you go straight to your prayer corner or your prayer wall and you start the evening prayers when you still have a little bit of energy to get through that. And then the last part of the evening prayers he recommends you say as you're getting into bed, which is really just one or two sentences long. So that's a great practical piece of advice for those out there that are maybe struggling with saying their prayers on a regular basis and being consistent with their prayers. Sometimes all that has to happen is a slight adjustment in when we're saying those prayers. And all of these prayers, like you mentioned, Bryce, are tools for us. And all of the different kinds of prayers help us to focus our attention on what we are praying for and about. And prayer is all about coming into the presence of God, having a conversation with God, and developing our relationship with God. So Bryce, let's continue with the article. They, speaking of men, appreciate learning clear-cut physical actions that are expected to form character and understanding. Quote, people begin learning immediately through ritual and symbolism, for example, by making the sign of the cross. This regimen of discipline makes one mindful of one's relation to the Trinity, to the church, and to everyone he meets. I want to first highlight the part that says, people begin learning immediately through ritual and symbolism. And then an example that was given was making the sign of the cross. 
You know, Bryce, in our last episode, we talked about symbolism in icons in the Orthodox Church. But icons aren't the only kind of symbolism that we encounter. There is symbolism everywhere in the church. For example, each part of a priest's vestments is symbolic of something. Even the different parts of the censer that is used for the burning of incense in our worship services involves symbolism. All of the symbolism we see in the church teaches us something, and so do the rituals that we perform. Bryce, for many first-time visitors to an Orthodox church, it can really be sensory overload. How do you think all of the ritual and the symbolism can be helpful to educate the faithful who are participating in the services? Well, Michael, frankly, I think it's a matter of repetition a lot of the time. So let's say you're watching a movie. For some reason, in my mind, the movie Fight Club comes to mind. There's, I believe there's a Starbucks cup in every single scene in that movie, but you're not going to notice that the first time you watch it. That's right. And so in the sense of that, there's more that you're going to notice every single time you go and do something. And perhaps it's even looking at a piece of art. When you're in church, when you're attending the liturgy, a lot of it is going to be the same set thing, but some of it will change. So the Resurrection Troparion, which is a resurrection hymn that is sung every single week in all eight different tones, depending on the week, that's going to change. But you're going to observe the language in that and the reason for it. Like the triumph over death is a common theme in Orthodox services. And you see it in the iconography. Our history is on our walls. And going forward with that too, there's always elements of the liturgy that if you find yourself sleeping... You're going to miss it. But the next time, you might not. And the next, the next time, something might speak to you. It might speak to you in the sense of you learn more about the church, and you learn more about why the church sees itself how it does, and why it operates in the way in which it does. It's a giant moving apparatus, and so many services move and interchange, and it's a beautiful thing to see throughout the church calendar year. And the more services that people attend... I think the more you're able to witness that. That's a great point, Bryce. And I love the fact that you brought up movies because there's so many movies, really well-made movies, that when you watch it the first time, you don't get everything in it. And I remember watching some of my favorite movies and, and I had this, the exact experience you described. I would watch a movie and the next time I would pick up three or four things I didn't get the first time. And that's the perfect analogy for what we're talking about here. You know, we've mentioned and we've talked before about the church having a liturgical year, and there's a cycle that occurs with the church calendar. We experience different seasons in the liturgical year, and when that year has concluded, we start it right over again. But the great thing about that is that in the next year, we usually pick up on things that we didn't in the previous year. And as we're making spiritual progress, things are revealed to us that maybe we weren't ready for previously in past years, and it becomes a deeper experience each year that passes. Great Lent is a great example of that, and we spoke about that recently, how Lent this year had taught us something different. I know it taught me something very different this year, and it was a much different experience from past years. So what you said makes perfect sense, and I think it's a great analogy. Why don't we go ahead and move right into the next section of this article, which is subtitled, A Goal. Men also appreciate that this challenge has a goal, union with God. 
One said in a previous church, quote, I didn't feel I was getting anywhere in my spiritual life or that there was anywhere to get to. I was already there, right? But something, who knew what, was missing. Isn't there something I should be doing, Lord? Bryce, this really hits home with me, and it's right on the mark. The ultimate goal of our worship is union with God, and there's a clear path for us on how to achieve this in the Orthodox Church. The sacraments of the Orthodox Church, especially the sacrament of Holy Communion, or the Eucharist, is how we reach the goal of union with God. What is really striking to me about this portion of the article is the comment from the man who said that he didn't feel like he was getting anywhere in his spiritual life in the previous church. I think a lot of men experience this and become frustrated because they begin to repent of habitual sins, but it only lasts for a certain amount of time. And I've heard this from especially men that have come from a lot of different Protestant denominations. But Bryce, I'd really like to hear from your point of view if you have had a similar experience coming from a Protestant background and starting to approach things in a more integrated way. Well, I mean, it's like we've been saying, the Church has a a structured approach to these things, and especially with the direction of a spiritual father and involvement in the sacramental life, and those key words there are involvement. And the goal is not only just to stop sinning, it's to become more holy. And there are ways in which to do that. And it's not, it's not a legalistic way of that. It's, it's something that changes in you. And the church has that for us. And we are active in our own salvation, Michael. And as Orthodox, we do know that. And Orthodox aren't immune to falling into habitual sins. And they aren't immune to falling away. They're not immune to not having direction. But what I think we have is something that we can always go back to and say, this is where we need to start. This is where I was. This is where we can go. And coming in from my previous confession, I really did feel like I was going through the motions. And that might have been on me, but coming into orthodoxy, it gave me the structure. It gave me the tools. And all I had to do was open the toolbox and had a willing heart to go forward, and in humility as well. I think, being honest, the church gave those tools to me, and I wanted to use them. And I knew that I could become something more than myself, and I knew that I could become more holy, and that I have an entire lifetime to do so. Not to wait to the end, not to wait till later, but right now. It's like what we were saying earlier with the prayer rule. You have a set time to do it, and you might not feel like doing it, but you do it anyway because something transformative about that and that discipline. That's so well said, Bryce. Let's continue with the next paragraph of this article. Orthodoxy preserves and transmits ancient Christian wisdom about how to progress towards this union, which is called theosis. Every sacrament or spiritual exercise is designed to bring the person, body and soul, further into continual awareness of the presence of Christ within, and also within every other human being. As a cloth becomes saturated with dye by osmosis, we are saturated with God by theosis. Okay, Bryce, there is that word, theosis. It was inevitable we were eventually going to get to that word, weren't we? 
I think that virtually every catechumen who is studying about the Orthodox Church will at some point be faced with the concept of theosis. And it's a fancy word that really just means becoming more like God. And we've talked about that before. As His Grace Bishop Nicholas has been telling us in our diocese, this is the goal of every Orthodox Christian. I think what I love about our bishop's approach to it describing what theosis is, is the simplicity. It's not something that we should think of as something complex and abstract. The bottom line with theosis is that it's something that we do together. You know, Bryce, one of the things I've learned, especially in our experience with the Antiochian men, is that we were all created and wired to be in communion with each other and with God. But the communion with each other is so important. We've been talking about sports, for example, and using analogies. And theosis, to me, is a team sport. It's not something that you do by yourself. You can try, but you may not be as successful. There may be more challenges and roadblocks when you're trying to become more like God all on your own. One of the things that we're told in the church is that we're all given different talents and gifts. And I remember hearing from a priest that the reason why God gave us different gifts is so that we would rely on each other and work together towards the same goal. And that goal is theosis. It is becoming more like God. Bryce, is there anything that you would add to this from your point of view and experience in the church? Well, Michael, I think that uh, I like what you said about its simplicity. The goal is simple but it it can be an arduous climb that may take an entire lifetime. That's exactly right. And I think we can come back to this concept of theosis. But I think the most important thing is that everyone realizes that this is something that is done in the context of our church communities. We need each other to become more like God because we have to serve our neighbor to become more like God. And so that is part of the process, is learning how to die to yourself and how to learn to serve your neighbor. Getting back to the article, I will go ahead and read the next paragraph. A catechumen wrote that he was finding icons helpful in resisting unwanted thoughts. Quote, if you just close your eyes to some visual temptation, there are plenty of stored images to cause problems. But if you surround yourself with icons, you have a choice of whether to look at something tempting or something holy. I love that. Talk about some great practical advice, Bryce. We have talked about iconography, but this really hits the nail on the head. One of the things we're encouraged to have as Orthodox Christians is a prayer wall or a prayer corner in our homes. This is typically where we have icons placed. We may have candles, maybe even a small censer to burn some incense while we're saying our prayers. This reminds me of a well-known quote by St. Paisios. The quote goes, Thoughts are like airplanes flying in the air. If you ignore them, there is no problem. If you pay attention to them, you create an airport inside your head and permit them to land. That is such a great quote, and it's so relevant to what we've been talking about. When we surround ourselves with icons and focus on them, it really helps us to avoid creating those airports in our minds for unwanted thoughts to land. And as the quote in this article says, If we were to simply just close our eyes, we can run into all kinds of problems. 
We're just asking for trouble because the images stored in our heads will make things even harder on us, and those unwanted thoughts start to land. It's so much more empowering to be able to choose to look at an icon, for example, to choose a holy visual rather than an evil one. Bryce, would you talk a little bit about how incorporating icons has changed or enhanced your spiritual life? Well, Michael, I think that last thing that you said, uh, where it's more empowering to be able to choose to look at an icon, a holy vessel, and we do, uh, we mentioned this in the previous episode, but we don't worship the images, but rather they are reminders of the heavenly kingdom. And when we look at our Lord, and when we look at his holy mother and the saints, we see the kingdom. And there are so many perverse things in the world today, whether they be locked into our memory stores or just out in the world in general. Iconography is, it's beauty is what it is. Father John Atchison told me one time that beauty will save the world. And looking at these icons, you see the holy and your mind can drift toward the holy. And it requires that focus. And I think with, you know, a prayer that you may read, like the one we read earlier, standing in front of your icon corner, trying to have incense if you can have it, or lighting a candle, it gives you the focus. It goes, okay, I'm here, I'm present, I have to be involved. And not that you don't have a choice, but you are choosing to become more holy. Not just trying to blot out something by closing your eyes. I mean, like this guy says in the article, it may make it worse, but you're choosing to look at something that is beautiful. And that, I think, Michael, is a very holy thing to do. That's a beautiful perspective, Bryce. Let's finish off this episode strong with the rest of this section of the article. A priest writes, men need a challenge, a goal, perhaps an adventure. In primitive terms, a hunt. Western Christianity has lost the ascetic, that is, the athletic aspect of Christian life. This was the purpose of monasticism, which arose in the East largely as a men's movement. Women entered monastic life as well, and our ancient hymns still speak of women martyrs as showing, quote, manly courage, unquote. Orthodoxy emphasizes doing. Guys are activity-oriented. You know, Bryce, this really sums up things well. Men really do need a challenge. They need a goal, and perhaps even an adventure. Our Amen spiritual advisor, Father Hans, has said, that the journey of self-discovery is the greatest adventure that a man can ever undertake. And when a man finds Christ, he finds himself. Which is to say that he finds out who he really is. Monasticism was mentioned in this excerpt, but you don't have to become a monk to live an ordered life of asceticism. Sometimes we can look at the monks and think that they are some kind of special forces of the church. I admit that there was a time that I even had that view. But monks are one of the three pillars of the church, the three pillars being clergy, laity, and the monastics. And each has a different role. The primary role of monastics in the church is prayer. But what is interesting is that the monks look at those of us who are in the world, striving to live an ascetic life, and they see us as the true superstars. This is because they don't have to deal with the same level of distractions that we do in the world. 
Thus, you can argue that we have it harder, living as Christians in the world. And on top of that, it seems like things aren't getting any easier these days, especially for men considering the many things going on in the dominant culture around us. I do think it is true that orthodoxy emphasizes doing, and that guys are activity-oriented. Men need a good project, something to build, or something to create. And I think it even goes deeper than that, in that men are called to be co-creators with God. Bryce, that sounds like a lot of pressure when you say it out loud. Would you be willing to share your thoughts on this? What comes to my mind, Michael, when you say that is, you don't start at the top level. You don't start when you're what you're not ready to do. And sometimes co-creating does start at the very base. Sometimes it starts with finding your own talent. Father Hans told me about the parable of the talents one time, and I had heard it countless times, but it was in one ear and out the other. And being able to build on those talents, and when you find Christ, you do find yourself. And I guess I think that you can put the pressure on yourself, but you don't have to, because you're not alone. You have a community. And that's part of being Orthodox, and that's part of being involved in your community, is you do find things to do, and you are given tasks to do, and you take them diligently and with patience, and you start where you need to start, and then you build. That's well said, Bryce. A lot of men out there who are maybe in a state of chaos, maybe struggling with harnessing their God-given creative energy and focusing it in the proper way. The truth is, the devil can sometimes veer that creative energy off course. One big example of this is pornography. In that way, the devil is appealing to our sexual desires. Man's sexual drive is a creative force. It's something that God gave us so that we could become co-creators with him of new life. And when we fall into traps like this, our creative energy as men becomes dissipated. And it's not just pornography. There are many other examples of this, various things that we do to try to make ourselves feel better, but ultimately leave us feeling very empty inside. If you're a man out there right now who is in this boat, just know it is not hopeless. Start surrounding yourself with men of good character who can help you to redirect your creative energy into its proper place. Find a spiritual father, become a part of a church community so that the healing can begin. Then, when you make progress with your own self-mastery, you won't believe the things you're able to create and the things you'll be able to do. I've seen it myself. It's happened to me, and I have seen it happen with young men who have been mentored in the Orthodox Church. This is really what it's all about. This is the most meaningful adventure a man can truly experience. If you're feeling lethargic, get up and get moving. Take it one step at a time. If you are a part of a church but haven't been back in a while, don't wait. Now is the time to go back and make a new start. If your local church doesn't have a men's group, talk to the priest and ask him for his blessing to start one. Talk to the other men who are in the church. You'll be amazed at how much you can learn from them. Don't try to go it alone. We really are all in this together. Bryce, I think we can go ahead and bring this third episode to a close. We will continue to go through this article in future podcast episodes. It will continue to be a multi-part series. Please be sure to follow or to subscribe to the Coming Out of Chaos podcast. And we hope that you will continue to join us for our future episodes. 
And as a reminder, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please share it with a friend and help us spread the word about this podcast with your family and your friends. Also, be sure to visit our website at antiochianmen.org where you can learn more about Amen and check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Amen Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.